Hello, my name is Carl Lloyd Hauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because he loves you so much. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there is no greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear, to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable th- things, which it is impossible for God to lie, we, have, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. All right. Thanks, Oliver. Thanks so much. Good job, buddy. So I asked Oliver. Great job. You could go down if you want now. Good job. So I asked Oliver to uh, start there because uh, we're going to be digging into that passage. If you have your Bible, open it up uh, to Hebrews 6, but we're going to go down there line by line, and I wanted you to get the whole thing first. Um, you know, I went uh, hiking uh, with my daughter on Monday. Uh, we went and we actually grabbed uh, two 14ers. Um, if you don't know what a 14er is, that's just a peak in Colorado that's over 14,000 feet. There's 52 or 54, depending on how you count. And I've done a few of them, and I think that was like uh, number 17 and 18 for me. So I, I know kind of how it works. And so I came up with, uh, with the law of 14ers. And so what the law of 14ers is, is no matter how close you think you are to the summit, you're wrong. And they just keep going. I mean, forever and ever. And you know, you get up over about 13,000 feet and there's just, your, your muscles like, where's the oxygen? And uh, you just have to make yourself go. But one of the things that's kind of frustrating about it is uh, what's called false summits. And so you get into, usually there's like a little glade and you'll look up, it's like, wow, that is the highest point around. That has to be the peak that I'm climbing to. And so it's a ways up, you know, and there are a thousand feet in gain and you're just trudging and like working and, you know, you're just about to the top and you're feeling like, ah, I did it. And it's, I mean, just as you're cresting, you look and it was just blocking the view to another higher peak. And that thing's like just as high as the last one. Like, ah, oh. and it's just like, ah, oh, crud, now I got to go do another one. And, you know, some of these 14ers, they have like three or four false summits. And now we're in this uh, series right now, it's called Never Again. This is actually our last week of Never Again. And what we're talking about is false hopes. See, because there's a lot of hope that we have and we think, okay, if we could, if we could just get up to that place, if we could just accomplish this, then we're gonna be there and it's gonna be good. And we get up there like, oh no, this wasn't even it. There's just more to do and, and this didn't answer the problem that I wanted it to. And you know, so I've been a follower of Jesus now for about over 30 years. And see, this has been a problem with the church, in, within the church, I mean us, for decades. Is that we've been climbing these false summits. 
And we think, okay, well, if we can just do that, then everything's going to be good, right? If we can just get everybody to vote correctly, then it's going to be all right. But here's the thing is, well, first of all, we can't get everybody to vote correctly. And second of all, even when they do, it doesn't fix the problem. It just seems like, it seems like even when we get like our person in, whoever your person in, is it's just, it's less bad than the other one, right? Just a false summit we've been going for. Or how about this? How about your career goal? You know, if I could just get there, then, then my family's going to all come together and it's all going to work. You know, my, my last job, I, had to, I was blessed with a, a number of promotions, but I can't tell you, there wasn't a single time where I came home and I said, hey, I got a promotion. And all the kids were like, oh, well, daddy's a department head. Now we better be good. They don't care. It didn't fix the problem. And we've been in the season for the last couple of years of just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. Like, oh, no, not that. And, oh, but if, if we could just, oh. And you know what? Every single disappointment that I have, do you know that it just reveals my false hope? It just reveals this false summit I was hoping to stand on. See, every disappointment reveals hope in maybe a good thing that just isn't the greatest thing. That isn't the ultimate hope because the ultimate hope never, ever disappoints. Now, life disappoints. People disappoint. Circumstances and outcomes disappoint. You know, and and we even put these things on God and we say, but God, I, I hoped that you were going to do this. It's still hoping for an outcome instead of hoping in our God. And he is the ultimate summit. He is the highest peak And if we hope in God, we actually have hope in every single outcome. No matter what they do, no matter what the other person says, no matter where the world goes, our hope remains. Because with God, there is always a promise. With God, there is always a plan. See, in Christ alone, my hope is found. Now, I am hoping for many, many things. I'm hoping for good leadership, I'm hoping for good decisions. I'm hoping for a change of heart, but I'm not hoping in any of that. My hope is in Christ, in Christ alone. So let's look in our passage. So Hebrews 6, verse 13, where Oliver started us. And it says, when God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself. Now, I want to look at uh, this promise. What's the promise? And and you could just flip over to Genesis 12, and we see when the promise is first given to Abraham. In Genesis 12, verse 1, here's the promise. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to a land I will show you. That's interesting to me. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Here's the promise. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, I think that's just amazing that God says, go to a land I will show you. There's Abram living with his father. He says, now I want you to leave. Pack up. Well, where are we going? Now, could you imagine that? Hey, uh, honey, we're moving. Well, where are we going? Well, that's the thing. 
Can you imagine? And you know what it says, the next verse? And Abram went. And he goes. I mean, what an example of faith. What hope he says, all right. And then it says, and God swore by himself. Now, the scripture makes it clear that we aren't to swear to God. But has anyone ever, you don't have to raise your hand because it's like, yeah, I sinned. Okay, but have you ever swore to God before, right? Why do we do that? because, Because he's higher than us, right? Because your word isn't strong enough. Because God sees it all. So we got to say like, well, you don't believe me, but, I, but if I swear to God, will you believe me? And God, if he wants to swear and he wants to make an oath here, there's no one greater. He, so he has to say, well, I swear to me because he's the highest. He's the ultimate. Listen, he is the ultimate summit. There's no one greater. There's no one stronger. There's no one more true. He is the most real reality. I was thinking about my relationship with God. And see, God isn't, he's not an idea. God isn't like this force. God has a personality. God God is someone that we can know and walk with. And he fills us. When we come to Jesus, he actually fills us with his Holy Spirit. I was was thinking the other day, I was like, oh, Jesus, I just love you so much. And I love who you are. And I love that I get to know you more. And I can walk with you and be with you. See, he's the most real reality. And he's the one in whom we have our hope. All right, let's keep going. In verse 14 here. So what does he promise? He says, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. We just saw that. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Now men swear by someone greater than themselves. And the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. That's what we have to do. But God, he swears by himself. Because God wanted to make this unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised. He confirmed it with an oath. He wants you to understand. He wants everyone to see. So when it happens, you'll know I said it and that my word is true. See, God has a promise and he has a purpose. And he has a promise and he has a purpose for Abraham. And it's amazing. All the things that Abraham goes goes through and all that Israel goes through. And so, you know, we have Abraham and then we have, we have Israel and then he has these, his sons and then these 12 tribes and they turn into a people and they're in captivity and then they go out and, you know, they get free from Egypt and Moses leads them. And then we, uh, these kings are judges and then the kings of David and Solomon and, you know, the kingdom goes out and then it all falls apart because of the wickedness of the people and then they get taken to Babylon and the whole time God has a plan and a purpose. And what is it? That all people will be blessed. Through what? Through Jesus. The whole thing is working towards Jesus. And it is amazing that, that when God gave this promise to Abraham, he had you in mind. Because you are part of the promise. One who comes to God through Jesus. You are one of all those people who will be blessed by the offspring of Abraham. And he had it in mind from the very beginning. See, God knows the end of every beginning for your life. God knows the end of every beginning. And he has a purpose and he has a promise for you in the midst of it as you go forward. And he starts with Abraham. All that history to Jesus, to you. 
in Israel, when the promise finally comes, when Jesus arrives, Israel misses the point. Do you know why? Because they wanted what they used to have. See, there was this moment when David is king and it's when Israel's just rocking and they're, you know, they're taking over and then Solomon comes and you know, the wisest, richest guy. It's like, that's what we want. We want to go back to those days. And so they're waiting for another David. But God has another purpose and God has another plan. And which is better? To have an earthly king in an earthly kingdom or to have eternal life with the king of kings? And I just want to encourage you right now. Many of us, we're hoping for what we had. And don't let the false hopes make you miss the summit. Don't let that desire of, oh, well, I really, I just, I want it to be like it was. Don't let it make you miss the point of what God is doing now. He's bringing you forward in a purpose and a promise and a plan. And see, we have hope that right now, yes, in the midst of this, right now, he is working towards a greater goal. And so many of us, we want, we want to just hold on and we, and we want to camp out. We just, we want to go back. But see, the purpose and the plan isn't back. The purpose and the plan for your life is forward. And he knew. He knew that he wanted you here for this time, for such a time as this. This is the generation that he rose up for right now. You were the one. He said, for, for this season, I need you. And I'm going to use these things around you to grow you, develop you, to bring out a purpose and a plan. And I know we look around and it seems like the enemy's just winning and he's winning and he's winning. But you know what? God has been outsmarting the enemy since the very beginning. Genesis 3. I mean, it looks like the enemy won. And God says, oh, but he's going to strike, crush your head and you're going to strike his heel. I have a solution for this. I actually have a plan. I have a purpose. Yes, even in the midst of this. And the Israelites, when you know, they're pushing and, and Pharaoh's coming after them and they're, they're up against the Red Sea and it looks like the enemy has won again. And it's right then when God outsmarts the enemy and the Red Sea opens. Where Joseph is thrown into the well by his brothers, left for dead. Looks like it's over for him. The best he can hope for is to be a slave. And God says, oh no, I got something better becomes the second most powerful man in the largest kingdom on earth. God's got a bigger plan. And the giant comes and he mocks, and he mocks our God, and he mocks Israel. And God says, I got a better plan. Little shepherd, almost a boy, he comes up with a sling and the giant falls. And on that hill in Golgotha, as the nails are going through his hands, it looks like the enemy won. But the very thing that looked like a victory was his downfall and his defeat. Listen, God has been outsmarting the enemy and he will outsmart the enemy again. What hope we have that despite what you see around you, there is a plan and there's a purpose that God is working you towards what he has for you. All right, verse 18 it says, God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us and it may be 
we may be greatly encouraged. Now, what are the two things that we're talking about there? Well, one, I think, is his promise, which he talks about. His promise for Abraham and his promise for you. And here's the second great news. He can't lie. Is there anything God can't do? He can't lie. And we have great hope. And there are so many promises in his word about your life and about what he's doing. And see, the wonderful news is as you read these promises, he can't lie. When you read about the end and how it's all going to finish out, he can't lie. This is what is going to take place. And just, if we just look at one, one promise, I just want to share one right now. It's, first, it's Philippians 1.6. And it says, he who began a good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. That's an amazing promise. Do you understand that? So this thing that he started, this thing that he stirred up right now, this path that you're on, it's going somewhere. Where? I don't know exactly. But he is going to bring it to completion. He is going to bring you to completion. And you and I have to go through what's ahead in order for that work to be done. What a joyful, hopeful thing. To know that God is actually, everything that's going on around us, he is using to get us complete, to get us done. And we want to go back there, but completion's not back there. Completion is this way. Completion is forward in him. What hope that God's not done, so let's go. He has made a promise and he cannot lie that he will get it done in you. And it says, and, and we flee, we flee this and we take hold to this promise. Well, what did we flee? Well, we flee sin. We flee the attitude of the world. We, we flee the ways of this world. And we say, well, you know what? That's not us anymore. We're gonna cling to this promise. We're gonna cling to this hope that we have in Jesus. I mean, the world's out there, it's doing its thing. And it's freaking out and it's saying, you got to go this way and you got to go that way. This is how we're going to handle this thing. And what do you do? You say, no, see, I got this hope. I'm just going with Jesus. I'm just pressing on towards the prize that he has for me. You do your thing. You freak out, you worry, you fear, you do all that stuff. But I'm walking with Jesus. And I love it. There's a great cloud of witnesses. All of heaven is watching you. And you know what they say? Listen, you know what they say about you? They say, you got it right. Yes. All of them. They don't even know. And you went the right direction. Listen, as you are following Jesus and going forward with Jesus, heaven is cheering you on. It's like somebody who knows the goal. Somebody who's doing actually what matters for all of eternity, and that's you. What hope we have. Listen, let the world do its thing. Let the world go, let the world rage, let the nations rage. And God just laughs because he's like, look at there's my son. There's my daughter, you just keep going. You keep going towards what you know is true, what, is, what you know is right. And listen, you have it right. All right, let's look at verse 19. And it says, this is such a beautiful passage. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul. Firm and secure, it enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us has entered on our behalf. We have this anchor for our soul. Now what does an anchor do? It stops the boat from drifting, right? What does it do for our soul? It keeps us from drifting from fear or unbelief. 
Just hold firm in what God has us to do. The USS Ford has a, an anchor. I, I looked at a picture of this thing. It, it actually weighs 30,000 pounds. And every single one of the links, the chain, each link is 140 pounds. It's 1,400 feet long. And they put this thing down and it's just like, and as you know, as the shift drips a little bit, the anchor kind of comes into the seabed and it digs in and it won't move. And so the current pulls, but the ship remains. And then the winds blow, but the ship remains. And the waves pound, but the ship remains. Do you get it? See, listen, the fear pulls, but you and I remain. And the anger blows, and you and I, no, no, we just remain. And the division of this world pounds against us, but you and I remain anchored in this hope for our soul. It doesn't matter what the world is doing out there. We have this hope that keeps us anchored, that keeps us firm, that keeps us steadfast. And we're not going to give ourselves over to the anger of this world. We're not going to give ourselves over to fear. We're not going to join in in this crazy division, which I think is a spiritual problem. And instead, we hold on to the anchor of our soul. If you go up to Hebrews 5.12, to get a little context, the author of Hebrews, he says, let's leave the elementary teaching. Let's get to the meat and I think it's so interesting because this is what follows. See, because being mature, the meat of Christianity, it's actually not to say, you know what, I have finally figured out, I have my complete eschatology, I know exactly how the world's gonna end. That's actually not the meat. It's not to say, oh, I found these kind of hidden, deeper truths. Do you know what maturity is? It's to take the truth and actually live it. It's to shape your whole life around this great hope that we have. That is a mature believer. And that we're not pulled this way and we're not pulled that way. And we're like, oh, what about that? Oh, oh, oh. No, it's like, no, I have this firm anchor for my soul. I know who I am. I know who I belong to. That's the deeper things. That's meat. That's maturity. And I want you to understand something. Listen, the waves aren't done I mean, is there anyone else who feels like, you know, like it's just like this wave hits, just like, like get that water out, like, okay. And then as soon as like we shake off the water from the last one, here comes another one. It seems like every couple months, it's just like, whoa, what? What? We have this anchor for our soul. Church, it's time for us to grow up. It's time for us to live what we believe. It's time for us to be anchored in the truth, in the hope of the resurrection. Because the waves aren't done. I don't know what it is, but you could, you could just be sure in the next couple months. Where does your hope lie? See, now hope, is, it's interesting. You've you got to understand that, that the world looks at hope completely different than the Bible does. Worldly hope is wishing. I hope I get the job. I hope that the Broncos have a quarterback that lasts more than three games, right? Can you get, we'll see. I just hope. It's wishing. Biblical hope isn't wishing. Completely different. Biblical hope is knowing. Biblical hope is knowing. 
See, there's three characteristics of biblical hope. The first thing is hope is certain. Why? Because Jesus is already resurrected. He already won the battle. You and I have already been made clean. Our sin is already dealt with. We already have the solution and we already know the end. And we know that his work will be completed, that he who began this good work in you is faithful to bring it to completion. And this is why we hope in nothing else except the resurrected Christ. Now, I do hope for a lot of other things. I hope for peace. I hope for our country to get like on the, on the right track again. I hope for good leaders. I hope that our city stands firm. But you have to understand that's not the answer. Jesus is the answer. I was talking to a friend earlier this week and you know, I was just saying, you know, I think all the problems that we have right now, they're just symptoms of our heart. All this chaos that we see, it's just, it's a reflection of many people, a country who says, ah, we'll just pass on Jesus. This is what comes out. If you decide not to do it God's way, chaos is what ensues. Now, I do want to give a word about the symptoms because there's a lot of symptoms. And I'm not saying don't treat the symptoms. So for example, let's say that I have a heart attack and I'm just laid out here on the floor and the, the EMT comes and he's got the defibrillator, right? And he's like, he looks at me, he's about to put that on my chest and he says, you know, really we're just treating the symptoms. I mean, the, it's plaque. And, and if we do this, we're just, you know, let's just forget, no, please put, the, put those things on my chest. Treat the symptoms, Right? And so I'm going after the heart of this. I mean, I'm just trying, I want to bring people to Jesus. But listen, hold back those who are heading to the slaughter. And so if there's any way that you could bring righteousness and goodness, if there's any way that you can stand, stand, vote, run for whatever board, you know, be a change agent, stand for truth, okay? But, but, but you just got to know that the real hope the real hope that we have isn't getting our way. You know, that, that holds back, that, that keeps light going for a little while. The real hope is bringing people to the way, the truth, and the life. That's the hope of this world. I'm praying for revival. I mean, our real hope is that our hearts will turn to Jesus. But you and I, we have a certain hope because we already have our King. We have a certain hope because we have a certain resurrection. You know, the second thing that we see is that our hope, our hope is now. 1 Peter 1, verse 3 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a, I love this, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil or fade. Now, we have this living hope, and it's living because Christ himself is alive. But I actually think that there's more to it. I, I think that what we see now is, is we see that this hope is active. We see that it's current, that it's constant. And so the second thing I want to tell you that hope is certain, but hope is also now. See, for the world is, well, if that happens, I'll be happy. If that comes to pass, this thing I'm hoping in, then, then, then we'll be okay if that works out. Not for us. Because Jesus is already risen. 
And we have already won. And God is already working. And listen, our hope right now, it's not coming. Our hope is right now. Because there's always purpose in whatever we go through. There's purpose. And there's always power of the Holy Spirit within us to move forward in what we're to do. There's always a plan. And there's always a promise. And God cannot lie. It is now. What hope that we have. And I don't always know where he's taking, taking me, but I know that I'm going to get there. And I know that he's working and I know that he's faithful and he's going to bring it to completion. Our hope is now. And here's the third thing. We have hope in his presence. It says we could go into the Holy of Holies, to the sanctuary. So there's this little room in the temple. It's the Holy of Holies. And the high priest goes in there just one time a year. And it's to the Day of Atonement to make a sacrifice for the sins. And why? Because God is so holy. Right? I mean, it's a big deal. And then, do you see what the author of Hebrews says? But now, because of Christ, that's where we dwell. We hang out in the Holy of Holies. See, that's where God's presence was. And we're, we just walk in his presence. What great strength for today. What bright hope for tomorrow. I mean, it's so beautiful, so amazing. I mean, all these blessings are mine with 10,000 of them beside. It's just, it's incredible, God. That I get to walk in your presence. And yes, I have hope for our nation. And I have hope for the church. And I have hope for our city. And I have hope for our families. And I have hope for where we're going. But I have hope in Christ, in Christ alone. Because he's near. Isn't that amazing? That you and I get to walk hand in hand with God. I mean, do you need anything else, really? Whatever he takes you through, wherever we're going, do you need anything else? That I get to walk hand in hand with my Savior? That I have the Holy Spirit within me whispering, go this way, go that way. Whether you go to the left or to the right, you hear his voice behind you saying, this is the way going in. I got you. I don't know if he calls this boo, but I got you, boo. It's all right. I'll take you there. We have hope for many, many things. We have hope in Christ. It's a living hope. It's a daily hope, a constant hope. It's a near hope. It's a hope for now because it is him. It is only in him. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Lord, thank you that you came and you brought us that hope. But Lord, it just starts with the blessing that, that you gave Abraham, your plan from the very beginning. And that God, that we get to be called children of God. Even though we were your enemies, you brought us into your presence. You brought us into this relationship. And then, Lord, because Jesus tore the, the veil, Lord, that we get to walk in. He tore the curtain. That we get to walk in constant fellowship with you. That actually we can be your temple now and your Holy Spirit is always with us. Oh, thank you, God. And, Lord, that whatever we face, whatever happens to us, whatever even happens because of us, we win because of Christ. Thank you for this great hope. And Holy Spirit, I ask you would fall on your people right now and you just, just hope would well up. Encouragement would well up. Joy would well up. And an assurance that this anchor for our soul, that no matter what comes against us, we will be firm. What comes against us, we will go forward with our King and you will complete this work. You will be faithful to bring it to completion. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And no matter what we face, we have hope in the storm. Help us to walk in this living 
present, powerful hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in Him. God bless you.